Welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast, brought to you by Paramount Plus. We're talking matchup this week, and I'm Sam Holt, joined as always by Chris Allen and Cooter Doodle. We've also got Mike Leone joining us from Establish the Run. So excited to have you, Mike. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And how is everyone doing? We're heading into week two. You know, we went through Monday panic and we're heading in. We ready for it? Oh, I mean, the Saints won, so I'm happy. I have no complaints here. Oh, okay. So if we're, we're doing that, uh, my, my Bengals did, did not win. Uh, so no, we are not happy right now. But uh, I, I wrote up the Ravens-Bengals matchup for this week. It's my premier matchup. So folks can go and check that out on fantasylife.com. And I have a little bit more confidence for week two, but we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into that matchup next. And speaking of, I'm obviously very disappointed in my Steelers, but at the end of the day, we didn't lose 40 to zero. So I'm not that mad because there's another team that did that. So I don't feel so, so pissed. <laughs> right. Are you calling somebody out? Uh, like, uh, like anybody in particular that you want no, to No, no, not, not calling right. anyone out in particular at all. But all since right. we have uh, a guest with us, and I'm selfishly going to take the opportunity to talk trades with all of you. Mike, I want to kick it to you first. I lost Aaron Rodgers, like many did, in a super flex league. And now my league mates are trying to fleece me for all my assets. And the only quarterbacks that appear available for trade are Jimmy Garoppolo, and Baker Mayfield. So my options aren't looking good, but of those two or other quarterbacks that maybe other people are in similar situations, who would you be targeting in Superflex for a trade? Yeah, I think Jimmy G is the better of those two targets. I just think we've seen, you know, Baker Mayfield's not going to get it done. And this Tampa Bay team, I think, you know, even though they pulled out that victory week one, is not headed in the right direction. I actually think um, if you look at Jimmy G, he gets a lot of heat, but historically he's been a pretty efficient quarterback. He's got Devonta Adams, Jacoby Myers there. I know Myers is dealing with the concussion, but uh, I like the weapons for Jimmy G. I kind of like that, you know, historically we've at least seen an extended stretch of him being a plus efficient quarterback. I and mean, we just have not seen that from Baker the last few seasons. Jeez. Cooter, how about you? I'm going to selfishly support this because anytime we go against an NFC South rival, I'm pleased. So I second everything you say and also throw sprinkle a little bias on there too. Love it. I love a good bias. Chris, your thoughts. Yeah, we'll go three for three. I mean, to Mike's point, seeing Jimmy, Jimmy G be an efficient quarterback without Kyle Shanahan. I think that was the most uh, like, promising part like to seeing jimmy g like in the in a raiders uniform and it wasn't all through Devonte adams like adams had a i would say just a pedestrian day relatively speaking against the broncos but seeing garoppolo being able to connect with jacoby myers for a couple of touchdowns and just seeing that offense function without just leaning like solely on adams for for all of his production it seemed like he had a good handle on the offense. Uh, hopefully we'll see Myers back in week two because I think he's going through the concussion protocol if memory serves. But either way, just seeing Garoppolo efficient without having the Shanahan training wheels on him, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it speaks to how legitimate he actually is as a quarterback considering I think the narrative has been, well, he's just a system quarterback, which I don't think he's completely beaten those allegations, but at least seeing him in a, another system and still be efficient, I think that's I think that's good for him. Love that. Well, I appreciate you guys' takes on that. And what I also appreciate is obviously that my league mates are not going to get to see this really quick before I go and make this trade. So as soon as we sign up recording, I'm going to go make just, this like, trade. Picking up your phone, just like putting in the, putting in the like, trade just, like right now. Yeah, just in the middle of a podcast. Just I'm just going to submit yeah, this not? trade and be like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Wow, Sam submitted yes to that really quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, totally go. fine with it. So let's go ahead and just jump into all these matchups. We got four to cover, and I want to start off with the Baltimore at the Bengals matchup first. Obviously, you just talked about it, Chris, and I want to go to you first. Obviously, we just lost J.K. Dobbins with another Achilles injury. Totally brutal. So looking at the backfield in terms of Gus Edwards versus Justice Hill, do you have a favorite here that you're going to be looking to start this week? So before I get into it, I'm a lot of bunch of stats at everybody. Y'all know how I typically operate, but I need vibes. I want I want a vibes check from from all of you. Uh, so Cooter, when you were when you were looking at this, uh, you saw Justice Hill score the two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Gus Edwards also getting mixed in. I mean, what what was your general thought process like when looking at Gus Edwards versus Justice Hill, which is probably like the grossest. The RB waiver ads that you probably had to make. Hopefully, that's the worst that you have to make this season. But like, what were you generally thinking? Like, when you look at both, yeah, I'll be honest. 
I'll be honest, I'm nervous in general just because of Lamar's rushing plays that could go on at any time. So I feel like it's really just a gamble, but I'm leaning Hill. Um, but I really didn't go out for anybody on the waiver as far as running backs on the um, for Baltimore. And I think that's fair. I mean, Sam, did you have just a similar vibe just like looking at both of them? Because we've seen Justice Hill in small roles beforehand get phased out. Gus Edwards has like generally been like a backup. So just seeing both of them thrust into this potential RB committee type of type of role with Dobbins out, it didn't really seem like folks were really buying into just going off the going off the rails in terms of bidding on uh, bidding on either of these two, unlike Puka Nakua or insert, you know, whatever the mm -hmm. hot wave rabbit for this week was. So Sam, was that your general feel for it? Like approaching this too? Yeah, same. I mean, it's such a mixed backfield. I mean, it's really hard with such a small sample size of just week one, knowing, okay, you know, Justice Hill maybe has a bit more burst. Um, Gus Edwards is going to get a couple more touches, but I think it's going to still remain mixed. And maybe we're going to get more of a true who's going to be the lead, maybe by week three or four. I think we need to let it kind of cook a little bit longer before we jump too quickly. Well, did I go and grab Justice Hill in leagues that I need an extra depth piece at running back? Absolutely. But, you know, am I going to start him this week? No, I just grabbed him for bench depth. All right. See, and I think y'all had the right approach, or at least the approach that I had when I was approaching, uh, when I was looking at this from a matchup standpoint, because the context I think that need to get applied to this, this game between the Bengals and the Ravens is the fact that we just don't have enough of a, a large enough sample size to say like, who's going to be the, the, the best fantasy beneficiary of Dobbins not being there, because let's think about it. Uh, it was in the like earlier part of the third quarter when Dobbins goes down and then immediately afterwards, it's Justice Hill that comes in. He gets the the goal line carry, winds up with scoring the uh, scoring the two rushing touchdowns, which obviously makes him like the better play for uh, at least from the box score scouts. But if you look at the touch split between Hill and Edwards, it's not that much different between the two of them. I mean, if you look at uh, Dwayne McFarland's utilization report that's available on FantasyLife.com, I mean the snap share between Hill and Edwards fairly similar. The touch rate between both of them, fairly similar. Even the routes were also fairly similar as well between the two of them. It's just that Justice Hill, like I think he wound up getting a target. But either way, it's like there wasn't enough of a gap between Hill and Edwards for us to definitively look at Hill as the better option between the two. So that's just from a touch share standpoint. Look at the game context. By the time we got into the third quarter, and then what the Ravens were at least one score ahead after the after the two touchdowns or whatever they were uh, multiple multiple scores ahead as well. So the pass rate over expectation for the Ravens started to tick down as well. We didn't see this you know offensive or like pass first type of offense that we expected after hearing all of the hype coming out of Ravens training camp because you know, they brought in Todd Munkin. This is going to be his high flying attack. So we didn't really see any of that. And of course, I mean, like uh, Cooter, to your point, didn't really see enough like a, a ton of Lamar either. And the third part to this is the fact that they're also to already talking about bringing up Melvin Gordon from the practice squad. They had signed him in the offseason. He was a cap, uh, a cut. Uh, he was cut from the because he didn't make the 53 on the practice squad. Likely going to get called up to the active roster. So it's just all of that put together when I was just looking at this was just like, yeah, I understand the fact that people saw the two touchdowns from Hill. Gus Edwards has generally been the backup, but overall it's just, I, it's easier for me to say, I will, I will go out. I will put in just a reasonable bid for both of them. But to me, it just feels like with the way that the Ravens offense, the way that we think they're going to try and run, or they want to try and run their offense through the passing game, Zay Flowers having a big day, Odell Beckham coming in for a few splash, uh, splash plays, and maybe Bateman gets back up to form. And we didn't even see Mark Andrews in week one. I think all that leads me to believe if you got Justice Hill, cool, but I wouldn't expect or it's hard for me to expect him having like a similar day. But I don't know. Leone, did you see like some like a similar or do you or do you have like a similar take on the on the Ravens backfield? Yeah, I'm reading it pretty much exactly the way you are, which is you know, at the end of the day, it's unlikely anyone here is too exciting. You definitely want to grab Hill, like Sam said, for bench depth. I do think Hill's the guy that like probably has the best chance of maybe breaking out and having a, a more fun fantasy role. Whereas Gus Edwards, I think is a little bit more pigeonholed into the 
um, kind of like two down back type of thing. He's going to be an efficient rusher, but he's never going to carry a huge workload, never going to be that involved in the passing game. I know you mentioned the routes for were similar, but he'll he'll give you some chance of maybe being like Dobbins light. So I do like the upside for him, but end of the day, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of spread out and it's going to be really difficult to trust any of these backs on any given week in, in a non-best ball format. Yeah, and I think the the but the one positive thing that I did see out of the Ravens offense, and I noted this in the column. Go ahead and take uh, take a look at it. The pre matchup of the week uh, from uh, brought to you by Paramount Plus. Uh, the one positive thing I did see out of the Ravens was that the all the talk that we'd heard about Todd Munkin, uh, you know, talking prioritizing pace, prioritizing more more passing. It's not like they turned it into the Kansas City Chiefs. But we did see a higher pass rate over expectation for Lamar, like at least when the game was in like a neutral situation, like the score differential was like fairly close. So that was good to see. Uh, but also on top of that, we saw a lower uh, design rush rate like for Lamar. Then again, that was still when the uh, like when the game was fairly close. Uh, but also their time to play, uh, like their uh, the amount of seconds taken in between uh, between plays, that was also shortened a little bit. So if we see at least a little bit more of a competitive matchup, hopefully the Bengals offense puts up a little bit more of a fight like this <laughs> week than we saw last week. We'll get into them at some point. But I think at least those like key portions of what we saw from the Ravens while things were still close against the Texans, at least it helped me have a bit more confidence about what that offense is going to look like and how much more we may be able to lean on not just say flowers because he was the one that really showed like showed out amongst the amongst the wide receivers but we could get games like like solid games from odo Beckham. we could get solid games from rashad bateman then of course leaning on mark andrews as like the you know maybe if not the wide receiver one or pass catcher one but maybe the second option uh, in that offense, like all of that kind of leads me to like, this could be that offense that was like as advertised like throughout the off season. No, I love that. Um, Cooter, I want to ask you specifically sticking with the, with the Ravens just a little bit longer before we go to the Bengals. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously put up a dud of a fantasy week last week with barely seven fantasy points, but given the Bengals gave up 24 points to the Browns last week and the news coming out that looks like Mark Andrews is trending towards playing this week, they he had to play without him last week. Should we expect more from Lamar this week against the Bengals? I would have to say so. Yeah. I mean, fantasy life, our analysts have him ranked QB six on the week. So they're the numbers people. They're breaking it down. I think both teams on both sides are going to be better this week. We had a weird week one in general. I think everyone would agree. Most teams, other than if you had maybe Miami, um, you weren't super pleased with the outcome. So I'm excited and I'm ready to talk about burrow can we move on to a little bit of the the orange and black to. here yeah to. absolutely and on the other side of the <laughs> ball mike i want to kick this to you obviously we were so underwhelmed with joe burrow last week but it's gotta get better right i mean it seems like the Bengals just like to not show up week one maybe they're just a little bit tired from preseason they're just a little bit of a hangover and you know burrow's also coming off of an, a preseason where he got hurt right before like he did last year. I mean, it's not his appendix again this year, but it's going to always seems like it's always something with Joe, but can we hope for more in this matchup? Yeah, I definitely think you can. Um, it's sometimes boring to say, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just have to throw a week out, you know, it was a disaster week for the Bengals. The line couldn't hold up, you know, Cleveland came out and, you know, they were ready to play. The weather was a little bit bad and not trying to make excuses for Burrow in the offense, but you know, we saw this like with the giants too. Sometimes the game just, uh, it just doesn't go right. And if you look at Cincinnati last year, they were second in the NFL in pass rate over expectation. They ran more plays per game than the average NFL team. This is all going to lead to, you know, more attempts for Burrow, who's plus efficiency quarterback, throwing to really talented wide receiver group, especially with Chase. I, I think it's too early to panic. If we keep seeing the line get overwhelmed, if it seems like the calf's an issue, maybe you'll start to worry in a few weeks, but I'm not worried yet. And as Chris and Cooter said, like we're expecting Baltimore to be a little bit more fun offensively week two in a matchup that's, you know, not them playing ahead the whole time against a rookie quarterback in a game where they're huge favorites against Houston. So I think this game could end up being quite fun and turn into a little bit of a track meet. I love that. Let's go around the horn then and see, you know, who's taking who this week. Obviously the Ravens are at plus three and a half with uh, minus 110 odds for them. So Chris, I'd like to kick it to you first. Who are you going to take, Ravens or Bengals, in this one? 
Although oh, I feel like on. I know your answer. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know my answer. I I have to believe that uh, that the Bengals come back, uh, the offense clicks uh, clicks as it's supposed to. Uh, maybe a faster. Uh, you know, meshing than we saw in the 2022 season. Uh, my hope is that with the defensive, the injuries to the Ravens secondary, uh, the corner Marlon Humphrey coming off of a foot surgery that he had last month, uh, also their safety Marcus Williams with the torn pectoral, uh, that should be enough to get some guys like Chase and uh, T. Higgins, who I'm thinking is, uh, is in a pretty decent spot and a hopefully a better bounce back spot after airballing last week, uh, that the offense, especially the passing game, uh, should be back for the Bengals this week. So, yeah, Cincinnati, one and one after week two. Love it. Cooter, how about you? Oh, I'm, I have to agree there. Look, I'm all in on the Bengals, one, because we have the – QB five on the week with Burrow. We have RB 10 for Mixon. We have wide receiver three with Chase. And I totally agree with Chris there about T Higgins. I mean, we have Jonathan Fuller's piece that came out either today or tomorrow um, for his regression and positive regression for T Higgins, who's averaging five receptions for 65 yards for every game in his career. He's finished wide receiver 28, 24, 18. I mean, I think there's just the offense is too powerful. So it's Bengals for me. Love it. Mike, how about you? Um, I, you know, I'll take the points. I'll take the three and a half points. I'll take the Ravens and kind of be the contrarian here, but I'm just excited for both offenses. So as optimistic as I am for Joe Burrow bouncing back, I also think Lamar is going to have a better day. And, uh, you know, I kind of like the over in this game and I'll take the, the three and a half points you're giving me for Baltimore. Love that. I'm going to guess round it out. And, you know, I want to stay friends with Chris. So I think <laughs> I should pick the Bengals. But I also have so many shares of Jamar Chase. I feel like I'd be shooting myself in the foot if I didn't pick them. So I'm going to go ahead and just stay with the Bengals. Um, Good choice. For this Good choice. We are still <laughs> friends then. We are still, we can still do this show. Yay. Still friends. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Let's move on to the pressure. next matchup. So yeah. much pressure to stay friends with everyone. Right. <laughs> Because we all have such different teams and we're all right. in different leagues against each other. So, well, you just happen to be a battle. Steelers fan. So, of course, it is like double pressure for both Ooh. of us, right? It is, but you have to agree. I feel like I'm the nicest one. I'm so you are. Like, you are definitely the nicest. I'm so one. amicable about yes, it. Yes. One hundred percent. Thank you. All right, that's enough about that. But let's talk to the, about the next matchup. We've got Kansas City at Jacksonville. The Chiefs are minus two and a half and have minus one hundred and ten odds on this one. Peter, I want to start with you on this one. Obviously, we didn't expect the Chiefs to lose last week, but they did. So this feels almost like they need a get-right game which sounds kind of weird, but we don't know if they're going to have Travis Kelsey. I'm kind of going to guess not, but they did go ahead and actually finally sign Chris Jones, which looked like they desperately needed him last week. So can the Chiefs right the ship this week against the Jaguars? Is this a quick win for them or are they going to make it tough? I mean, look, I feel like you can never sit on them and say that they won't. I absolutely think they're going to look better. I would, I would, I would hope that they can look better, but I'm at the point where I'm rooting for Jacksonville here with Trevor Lawrence and Ridley and the connection they have and even ETN and Zay Jones. I mean, the Chiefs, I think, are going to look better, but I, I don't, I'm not as confident that they pull off the win here. Not as confident that the Chiefs are going to pull off the win? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm Jacksonville. You know, when we wow. saw them in the playoff matchup last year, the Jags looked good. They looked mm -hmm. good for a long time in that one. And Mahomes got a little bit beat up in that game. So I feel like they're going to keep it really competitive. And I think there's going to be a lot of upside in it, specifically with someone like Travis Etienne. Uh, Chris, I'd love to hear more from you in terms of what you expect from him in this matchup. So I expect him to be the RB1 for the squad. I was actually really surprised to see him come out and hoard most of the, like, the rushing share. I know that over the offseason, especially after they drafted Tank Bigsby, uh, the the role for Bigsby kind of sounded like he was going to take on that short yardage goal line type of work. And then also like he had some skills as a receiver as well. So it seemed like a lot of the areas where Travis Etienne was inefficient, Bigsby could take over that role. And we saw none of that. Uh, in week one, uh, actually, Travis Etienne's uh, like target share around 15% was around some of the guys that were RB1s like for this past week. Uh, like Aaron Jones like uh, had a similar target share. So if we're already seeing uh, Etienne 
one take over the majority of the backfields uh, backfield snaps like for for the jaguars but he's also a part of their passing game as well to a, a, a significant enough portion that he's getting this this type of work that you only see from guys like christian mccaffrey aaron jones austin eckler uh, to a point as well uh it, it seems to me that we've got a at the very least like fringe top 12 type running back and especially given the projected game scenario them going up against the chiefs which we hope that they're they're at least able to put up some points and turn this into something of a track meet then that just means more work for etn i guess my biggest concern is what their passing offense is going to look like outside of ridley because i know a lot of folks were drafting guys like chris a guy like christian kirk in the fourth fifth sixth round and seeing the amount of routes drop, uh, the, also his target share dropping in week one, uh, that's thing that has my biggest concern uh, as of right now, at least from a fantasy standpoint, from ETN, uh, like top 12-ish running back for sure in week two. Definitely. And actually, I want to stay on that point with you um, in terms of Christian Kirk. Mike, you mentioned him on Establish the Edge in terms of being one of your three players to worry about. Now, are we worried about him simply because we're so high on players like Zay Jones, who are out targeted or targeted higher than Christian Kirk? So is it Zay Jones is the problem? Is it Calvin Ridley that's a problem? Can you help us dissect that? Yeah, it's kind of the whole thing. And I feel like Chris was subtweeting me there. You know, the people who drafted Christian Kirk in the fourth, that fifth, was sixth me rounds. Too. That, that was me. That was me. Raised his hand. And yeah, I'm worried. And I think it's a combination of like a lot of things that are happening. One, you know, Calvin Ridley looking like the true alpha there for them is a problem. I think that by itself is okay because you're invested in offense. You think it's going to throw a lot. Christian Kirk was really efficient out of the slot last year. But the fact that he's not playing in two wide receiver sets at all is a problem. Uh, you know, he had 91% of his routes in this in the slot. He only ran a route on 66% of the team's drop back. So that's something we saw in the preseason. I kind of ignored it a little bit, just thinking it's preseason, it's small sample. So that was an issue. Chris mentioned the target share to Travis Etienne. They really didn't throw to the backs much at all last season, which helped them condense onto the pass catchers. And then the play calling in general, you know, they weren't in 11 personnel as much as we would generally expect. I'm hopeful that part turns around where that was kind of a game plan specific thing going up against a rookie quarterback against the team and the Colts that they were, you know, decently favored against. And now dogs in a, in a potential shootout with Kansas City, there's going to be enough three wide receiver sets that that's the majority of their offense, their pass rate of expectation, hopefully a bit higher this week. And I think Christian Kirk's going to do well in game environments like this week. I just think it's going to be more of a roller coaster over the season than initially I, I had hoped for. You know, you draft someone in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, you want to reliably start them regardless of the matchup. And I think he might end up being more of a matchup play depending on the opponent and how much we expect Jacksonville to pass on a given week. Got that. So you're saying that it's not the worst thing that I took several Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk stacks in multiple leagues, but maybe be more hopeful that it's the best ball ones that are going to have the best output. Right. Is that what we're kind of going with? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. we're 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 worried, but, you know, he, he's not completely left for dead yet. So, yeah, left for dead. God, I hope not. I mean, but let's talk about someone else that might be left for dead. And that, that's probably a terrible segue. But Cooter, I want to take on Kadarius Tony, considering that there's so much more upside for likes of Justin Watson or Rasheed Rice over him. Is it too early to panic and drop Tony because he's dropped so much for the rest of us? I'll be honest. Like, you know, whenever you get like your life insurance policy and you're signing off who your beneficiary, like beneficiaries are and everything. I feel like Patrick Mahomes, anyone could be the beneficiary. Like, who's he going to go to week to week? I don't really put any of my eggs in any basket, but I wish that someone trusted me as much as he trusted Kadarius Tony because last week, time and time again, I was like, how is he getting the ball to him just over and over whenever he was dropping? And so personally, I Kelsey's the guy I want. Mahomes is the guy I want, and that's about it there. I think it's going to be a high-powered offense, and it's just going to be sprinkled throughout. Absolutely. I feel like there's it's up for grabs for who's going to be the next number one receiver there. Or who's going to pop off week to week? Week to week, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mike, do you have a favorite that you like in that backfield? Yeah, I mean, um, I think in the backfield we'll see Pacheco kind of 
re-establish himself as the the primary back. I think, you know, he had some injury stuff in the offseason. He was eased back in um, the first week. But I think it, eventually it's going to look more like it was at the end of last season with CEH more completely cut out. I have some hope for Tony as far as the pass catchers where, like Cooter said, there's just kind of like no one there and anyone can be the beneficiary where like as bad as he was, they seem to scheme him the most opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, Sky Moore is out there running empty routes and a lot of these guys are, you know, kind of role players. So I have some hope for him, but I think Cooter's right. It's going to be sprinkled enough that, um, you know, we tell ourselves every year, one of these Kansas City wide receivers has to pay off in a huge way. It didn't happen last year. It might not happen again this year. Might not happen until we get Travis Kelsey back. But Chris, do you have any receiver favorites that might be leaning towards a little bit in week two? I think the only one that I like uh, is is Rushy Rice because uh, it seemed like he was being used more, uh, especially once they got into the red zone. I like that. Uh, but also like his general target share was up there with the rest of the leading pass catchers like for Mahomes, like in week one against the Lions. So it's hard to get a read on like how we can project this team going forward without seeing Travis Kelsey there. Because if you have uh, like more or less their wide receiver one not available and having them shuffle around like the rest of the rest of the crew, it's hard for us to get a gauge on how they really want to operate. Uh, because I mean, if Noah Gray is the guy that's running the most routes like on the team, that that tells you that something's off. So until we really see like what that offense looks like with Travis Kelsey there, how the how the wide receivers operate with him back on the field, really just looking at how Mahomes, like which uh, which receivers Mahomes favored in week one. So in this case, it was Tony to to some degree. I mean, it was Rice as well. And then MDS, like still having his role. So I mean, out of that crew, I mean, I like Rice just because he was getting more of that shorter dot type of stuff and also being targeted in obvious passing situations, like when they needed to convert for first down. So I, I like that role for him. But then overall, like, again, without having Travis Kelsey there, it's just hard to get a gauge on, like, what we can expect from, you know, weeks two through the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, let's round this out and go around picking who we think is going to take the win in this one. Cooter, let's start with you. You got the Chiefs, the Jags. Yep. Like I said, I'm not discounting what the Chiefs can do. I think they're a great offense, but I'm going Jacksonville. Ooh, you're, so you're saying the Chiefs start out 0-2? I mean, I just – they're all of the errors. I'm not, I think their get right this week is that they just don't make all these embarrassing errors. I don't think it's going to be an easy win. Uh, So yeah, Jacksonville for me. All right, Mike, how about you? I'm going to go Casey. Uh, I don't see Patrick Mahomes starting out 0 two and I do respect Jacksonville. I think they're going to keep it close, but uh, I'm going to go Casey with Kelsey seeming like he's going to be back. Yeah. Chris. Uh, Yeah. I'll also go Casey. I think it'll be close. Uh, I think the Jags will give them a bit more run for their money than they did in the playoffs like last year. I think Casey, I just can't see Mahomes starting off the season 0-2. It's really hard to picture, but I kind of like the spiciness. And so I'm going to stay with Cooter on this one. I'm going to go with the Jags. I think I just love the upside. I like the speed. And, you know, I'm not going to count out Doug Peterson. You know, he got a taste of what they could do last year. And maybe he can get, you know. Patrick Mahomes number on this one. So I'm going to go with the Jags and I like that take. So let's stick with that. Now, before we uh, jump to the next matchup, I'd love to talk about our friends over at Paramount Plus and the amazing work that they do. Paramount Plus is your streaming home to catch every local NFL on CBS game this season. Paramount Plus gives you an all access pass to 24 seven NFL content all week long with CBS Sports HQ, Fantasy Football Today, NFL Slime Time, and more. Stream the NFL on CBS with Paramount Plus on any device, at home, or on the go. Now, guys, let's talk about this next matchup. We've got the Washington Commanders against the Denver Broncos. Washington is a plus three-and-a-half favorite with odds of minus 115. Chris, I'm going to go with you on this one. Is there hope for Terry McLaurin to best the Broncos in this one? Because Washington looked... Mm, underwhelming last week, at least for what we all were hoping for in the off season. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so like quick uh, pop quiz for, for all three of you. Oh no, I didn't study. Quick, <laughs> quick. Who led the, who led the commanders in targets uh, last week? I'll, I'll um, go Logan Thomas. I was going to yeah. say, I know Dotson and Samuel are tied. Yeah, maybe. Go, I don't know. Maybe go, not. Receptions go, 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 Thomas. 
Yeah, it was it was Logan Thomas. So if that if that gives you any sort of idea of just how spread out this offense is at this point, I think that's that's the biggest concern that I have for Terry McLaurin. It's not it's not the toe injury. Uh, it's really not even Sam Howell who I mean, I think Sam Howell is as advertised. So I don't know what everybody else was expecting. I think the offense is going to be fun. I think the offense was going to be uh, up and down, like volatile at best, and in good matchups, they might be able to take advantage and come out with the W, which, I mean, we saw that happen in week one against against the Cardinals. But I at least had some, I at least had some expectation that it would be semi-condensed between McLaurin, Dotson. Uh, if you wanted to throw either of the running backs in there, okay, fine. And then, of course, Curtis Samuel. But seeing Logan Thomas come out of the gate leading the group in targets something named Cole Turner also <laughs> getting work in the passing game uh yeah that's that that's problematic for me uh but the only thing that I can say in terms of having confidence for Terry McLaurin uh is the 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 Denver uh, Denver secondary uh, not Patrick Sertan of course like he is one of like the better fruit like for those folks who know like he's one of the better corners like in the league uh and I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna wind up shadowing Terry McLaurin but the corner that plays opposite Patrick Sutan uh, is a rookie, and he needs some help. Uh, from last uh, last week, Jacoby, both of Jacoby Myers' touchdowns came when that corner was in coverage against him. He allowed almost like 100 yards in co- uh, 100 yards uh, to the Washington receiver, uh, uh, Raiders receivers on his own. So if McLaurin gets matched up against that guy, okay, fine. I mean, Sam, I would hope Sam Howell be able to throw the ball his way in that particular matchup. But if he gets the shadow treatment from Sertan, we could see work for Jahan Dotson, like downfield, Logan Thomas, any of the rest of the pass catchers. So that that's my biggest concern for Terry McLaurin like, for, for week two and for the rest of the regular season, to be honest. Gotcha. Now, Mike, this one for you, staying with Washington here for a minute. Um, obviously, Brian Robinson had a decent week last week. But Antonio Gibson was a little bit of a miss. Do we see this balancing out in this matchup a bit more? Do we see the likes of Gibson actually being flex worthy? Um, I think it's going to balance out a little bit, and I think it's going to end up being somewhat game script dependent. I think it was kind of a conservative game plan against Arizona, a game they were you know favored by a touchdown, really expected to win. You're going to see Brian Robinson more in those types of game scripts, even though they fell behind a little bit, but. I'm still hopeful that, you know, Gibson's going to cut in with just enough rush work and a little bit more receiving work, especially in, you know, potentially a negative game script here where they're, I believe, like three and a half point dogs to Denver. So I, I'd probably leave him on my bench for this week, but I, I do have some hope for him still having some standalone value and then obviously some contingent value if something were to happen to Brian Robinson. So kind of a hold for me there with Antonio Gibson but do have some concerns with the offense overall, you know, Chris hit on them to an extent. And also think, you know, fantasy community got really excited for what Sam Howell could potentially be as a fantasy quarterback, but the odds quite frankly are stacked against him being a a good real life quarterback. And we definitely saw those ups and downs against the, you know, a pretty easy opponent week one. Yeah. It's been a harsh reality for all the upside that we've been talking about Sam Howell this off season. So definitely hoping that some of this evens out a little bit, but let's talk about the other side of the ball for just a minute. Um, Cooter, I know that you're familiar with Adam Troutman as a Saints fan, but given Greg mm-hmm. Dulcich is still listed as doubtful. Do you feel like he has some upside this week? I do. I mean, tight end is just a brutal area right now. We've got injuries across the board. Like if you drafted one of the main three or four that you felt comfy with, you're not comfortable right now. And um, I think he had five catches. He had the second most receiving yards on the team last week. And so, yeah, why not? Peyton loves a good tight end. So I'm, I'm in on Troutman. Love that. And then we're looking at the past, rest of the pass catchers there for Denver. Obviously, Cortland Sutton had the high in targets. Are we looking for more of the same this week, or do we think it's going to even out a little bit more? Chris, I'll send that one to you. Uh, I think it's going to even out more. It looks like Jerry Judy was a full uh, full participant in practice today. So with him coming back, uh, Javante Williams uh, actually having like a fairly large target share as well. So it's great to see him coming back like after uh, after his injury from, from last season. Uh, also, Samaj P. Ryan also working in, in the passing game. So with Russell Wilson having one of the lowest 
average depth of target from a passing standpoint, like in week one, it's hard for me to see Cortland Sutton, who we really would typically see as being that that downfield type of pass, like those moon balls, like from Russell Wilson, that we all thought was going to be the case. Now, this was a very conservative week one for, for Wilson. So it was good to see him be accurate. It was good to see him being able to get get out there, like complete some passes on the run and keep the chains moving. So I think that would probably, you know, that's probably just like a checklist for Sean Payton. Like, can Russell Wilson still do this? Can Russell, you know, and just kind of slowly but surely maybe removing some training wheels to really get Russell Wilson back to what we saw in his peak form when he was still in Seattle. But for right now, I would expect just more of the same, especially with a guy like Jerry Judy, who can be able to work the short and intermediate parts of the field. I think that's I think that's more of the flavor of the recipe for success uh, for Wilson for at least for this week and probably the next few weeks, to be quite honest. Can I just uh, interject here real quick? Yeah. When you said the training wheels, all I picture is Russell Wilson on a little bike. Just let's ride <laughs> Broncos country on his little training reel, wheel. Send that to the graphics department yeah. like right now. now. Like, really bad. Yeah, that Please. needs to go to the graphics. So it's like right now. Let's just do a little quick drawing of Russell Wilson yeah. as a little toddler with like a giant head and just like riding <laughs> yeah. a big wheel. Broncos yeah. country. Let's ride. Uh, and also, uh, Cooter, so you're talking about your boy Adam Troutman. Guess where he mm-hmm. went to college at? I have no idea. University of Dayton, where I happen to live at. So that's oh, okay. Okay, now okay. Yep, so are you are you feeling good about him this week? Absolutely. Or? I got to like right. we we have nobody coming out of Dayton like <laughs> in the NFL. All right, a lot of good NFL players out of Ohio in general. Dayton, not so much. Cincinnati, yes. Ohio State, obviously, but Dayton, uh, uh-uh. uh. So all I've got is Adam <laughs> Troutman. So I have to root for my boy. Okay, I'm so. If you're rooting for your boy and you're rooting for Troutman, does that mean you're going to be picking the Broncos to win this one? I'll I'll take the Broncos in this one. I think the defense uh, might winds up holding Sam Howell with his erratic nature. Uh, I don't see him having the same success as he did in week one. So I'll I'll take the Broncos on this one. All right, Mike, how about you? I I think I'm going to go Broncos, but the way Chris was describing Russell Wilson and uh, how he's being brought along so slowly on training wheels makes me doubt my decision a little bit here. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go Broncos. All right, Cooter, how about you? Same here. I mean, we have Denver at Fantasy Life ranked as the number five defense of the week. And like you said, with Howell last week, I just don't trust it. I think it's going to be mostly a defensive game. And yeah, I'm, I'm Broncos. It's going to be a clean sweep for me. I'm going to go Broncos as well. I'm a little bit worried about the commanders in terms of just them not delivering on so many promises that they made. At least I feel like they made promises to me that they didn't keep. So I'm definitely going to be sticking away from them for a little bit longer. And I'm going to stay with the Broncos on this one. And and just as another side point, Matthew Barry, I don't know if you've heard of that guy. We've heard of him. Um, but he his, his love-hate list, he has two commanders players. Uh, McLaurin and Brian Robinson, and we know that that's his home team. So if he's Ooh. saying that against his own, you know, flesh that's and blood, I feel Ooh. like that's fine. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, his own flesh and blood. You got to read the tea leaves, and yeah. those are screaming yeah. loud and clear. Don't play them all right. <laughs> this week at all. No, I love that. All right, let's talk about the last matchup of the week. Let's talk about the Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. Jets are plus three, and odds at minus one hundred and ten for them. Now I know that there's some pretty big news we got to cover with the Jets and I want to start with that obviously we talked about something something happened happened. yeah we talked about a little bit to begin the episode but we are very aware now that uh, Aaron Rodgers completely tore his Achilles which is absolutely brutal devastating I think that we all you know felt for the entire Jets team and the coaching offense staff when you saw them and just watch their faces drop mm-hmm. as you could tell the news got worse as the game went on absolutely heartbreaking um but i want to talk about hopefully some positives in terms of how they're going to be able to rebuild and reshape you know Zach Wilson has a lot of amazing you know options available to him cooter do you feel like he's going to be able to step up a little bit more to fill in that role i mean they're big shoes to fill so not saying he's going to do it 100 but is there still hope yeah i mean look of the four matchups we're talking about today this is the one that i'm most excited to see just for the narrative and how it all plays out and i feel like zach wilson is kind of like the antithesis of patrick mahomes when I, earlier i was saying you know i trust him but all the pieces there's some errors mm-hmm. there right whereas now yeah. Wilson has all the pieces. He has all, you know, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. And I just don't know how I feel about him. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out 
it seems like they've got some trust in him and they're going to have to roll with him. So I'm, you know, that's the game I want to watch this week, but I think he, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. But watching that Dallas defense just absolutely yes. obliterate the I giants know. I know. was <laughs> any number of adjectives there, but it was a lot of things. And if anything, it makes fantasy managers that are starting Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, all a little bit nervous. Chris, how do you feel about starting all these players against this Dallas defense? Uh, I don't want to start any of them against <laughs> Dallas's defense, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Other than Brees Hall, I think sure. Brees is fine. Uh, Dalvin, to an extent, is fine too because they were the uh, so Wilson was targeting the running backs like quite a bit. I think between the two of them, they probably took over about like 25 to 20, 25 to 30 percent of the team's targets uh, on Monday night. So. I think between those two I have a shot. Garrett Wilson, just because he's Garrett Wilson, the team's wide receiver one, also has a shot. The ancillary players get them out of here. Any hope that you had for like <laughs> Tyler Conklin being like the late round tight end that you'd want to you'd want to target? Nah. Randall Cobb, he's honestly he should probably just retire because his boy's not even at, at quarterback there anymore. Alan Lazard, his boy's not there either, so he should probably also retire. Like find it, you know, see if he can get a trade somewhere else. So like any of those other guys, I'm just pushing them to the side. I'll take Brees Hall because we saw him get what was it almost like the he had like a 30 yard explosive like uh, pass play. Uh, so I mean, solid there. Of course, Wilson with the acrobatic touchdown grab, awesome there. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's just unless Zach Wilson has to just be different, just point blank, period, because if he behaves the same way that he did against like the Bills defense, sorry, Leone, but if he just does like the same stuff that he did on Monday night, uh, the Cowboys are going to shut out two offenses in, in a row. I mean, you can't have I think uh, pro football focus uh, had him at almost like three and a half seconds as his average time to throw. You don't have three and a half seconds to throw with Micah Parsons bearing down on you. That's just not an option. So there, there has to be a better way for them to approach getting the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands as quickly as possible. Like, remember, like, y'all remember when um, it was like the Mike White run in like the mm -hmm. 2021 season? And it was, you know, short A dot, just get the ball out and then let the guys work after the catch. Yeah. They try that. Like, hey, I think that has at least, you know, it's it's simple. It's, you know, it's it's Mickey Mouse type offense. But with the way that this, the way that their defense is and with the explosives that Brees or Garrett Wilson or uh, probably just between those or even Dalvin Cook to an extent as well, with the explosives that those can create after the catch, it, the game plan almost just has to be, all right, Zach, just get like take three steps and throw it to one of those guys. And if that's not an option, throw it away. Otherwise, yeah, we'll probably see something similar to what the Cowboys did to Daniel Jones and company. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Mike, I want to get your take on this backfield then. I mean, obviously with your expertise, would love to see how you divvy up the targets between Brees and Alvin Cook. Do you see one of them being the lean for the pass catching role or is it going to continue to be divided? I think short term is going to continue to be divided. Um, but what we saw out of Brees Hall week one with him not even really that close to 100% yet, and he's still breaking off explosive runs, explosive plays in the past game, he's the guy you have to get long term. Like I think he's going to help people win fantasy leagues down the stretch, even with a quarterback that's not super capable. So I was really high on Brees Hall in draft season. You know, it is a bummer. Obviously, the ceiling takes a little bit of a hit when you see a downgrade at quarterback because that that affects the entire offense, even the run game. But I'm still I saw everything I wanted to out of Brees Hall week one. It's unfortunate the quarterback got hurt. But I do think this week, you know, it's going to be an even split between him and Dalvin Cook. But once we get to midseason, I don't think this team's going to have any choice but to lean on Brees Hall a bit heavier. Absolutely. He was so explosive. I don't think any of us really expected him to be that lightning quick right out the gate. I mean, we were expecting a pitch count and yes, he was on one, but he was so dynamic and I was not anticipating him to be that way out the gate at all How about you, Cooter. I felt like that was when I knew football was back. You know what I mean? Like Twitter was just blowing up. Everybody was excited and happy. So yeah, I was like, okay, football's back, baby. 
the ball is back. And I just want to stick with this game a little bit longer and might get your take on Tony Pollard. He looked really good last week. He looked so good that he made several of us lose our weeks um, with the performance that he put out there. Are we going to continue to see him be able to handle this offense and this workload going throughout the season? Yeah, I think it's super optimistic week one for Tony Pollard had six goal line carries um, like inside the 10, which that was sort of the only question mark was, is he going to for sure get the goal line work? Or are they going to give that to, to a different back? Because uh, we know he can score from distance. And I do think he's probably up him and CMC and Eckler are like those three guys are the most likely to possibly score 20 touchdowns this season. And I think this Dallas team is for real and Pollard is going to be a huge beneficiary of that. So I think he's, you know, if we were to redraft today, I think he goes, you know, middle of round one, as opposed to middle of round two, where he went um, towards the end of draft season. Absolutely. Just looking at how explosive he has been. I mean, definitely realizing that I missed out in a few of my drafts when I saw him and I was like, I am intentionally not drafting him. You know, we can all admit when we make bad decisions. Somebody out there went Tyreek Hill, Pollard, and then later got Ridley. You know, somebody out there is having yeah, a good week. Happy. Someone's having yes. a great week. You know, and uh -huh. great for them. You know, really love love that life for them. I'm not drafting them. But let's go around and make our picks for the wins this week. Chris, let's start with you. Who you got, Jets or Cowboys? That Dallas defense is going to wreck shop again. I, I got to give it to Dallas. So. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I think Chris is right in the way that the Jets' best chance of winning is kind of this dink and dunk offense. I don't think Zach Wilson's capable of doing that. You know, career 55% completion rate. I don't think he can do the, the Mike White quick processing decision-making. Like, So it's a really tough spot where you have a quarterback that – is hamstrung in terms of what he can do, but what he can do is kind of like more volatile plays, not that um, dink and dunk philosophy. So I just, it, it's going to be challenging against really good defenses like Dallas. Absolutely. Cooter. I'm going to say that Dallas is going to win, but I'm going to just put it out there. I'm happy with either outcome because this is the only matchup for our Paramount plus matchups that both teams are going in undefeated. I know it's only one week, you know, <laughs> in the books, but still it's the only one. So one's going to be leaving two and O and I'd be happy with either winning. I think it's going to be Dallas, but I would love to see the jets pull this one off. I really would. Oh, absolutely. After the heartbreak they had last week, I, my heart would love it for the Jets to win, which also feels like a weird sentence I've never yeah. said in my entire life. However, I feel like I can say stuff that makes sense, but no, I just, Looking at that Dallas defense, as much as Zach Wilson could dink and dunk his way to keep up score-wise as an offense, that Dallas defense knows how to score themselves. So I don't know that they're going to be able to actually keep up. So I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys on this one. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm with you. A quick question, Mike. Yeah. So I know that you do uh, a lot of the work that you and uh, that you and Drew like do over at the ETR, like the like very DFS focused. So if you could just give like. I don't know, like what's your general take on from a roster ship standpoint, like for the Cowboys defense for this upcoming weekend? Because my thought would be that because they are, they're probably going to be one of the higher price defenses. So folks will just typically want to fade them uh, and that will keep their, their roster ship like numbers down. But just looking at this matchup, I mean, is it, is it still one to just try and fade or do you think folks will still try and jam them in just given given the game, but like the game environment, they're going to be at home and all that. I guess what's your just general sense, like just for the Dallas defense, since we were just talking about them and just the way that Zach Wilson plays, the chance for sacks, turnovers and all that just has to be a huge potential, especially after what we saw that what they did to the Giants. Right. I mean, it's two things meeting at once. It's the defense that scored a kajillion points week one, and now they get to play Zach Wilson. So they are the highest price, second highest price defense on DraftKings. Uh, but people really don't like to pay up for defense. So it's going to be an interesting wrinkle. We've got them at a roster ship around 14% right now. It's early in the week. Like we'll kind of dial that in over the weekend. That's the second highest right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if people, when they're like hand building their lineups, they're going to kind of funnel towards some cheaper defenses and ignore the Cowboys as much upside as there is. There's just so much randomness in the DST scoring that, Mm -hmm. I think that they might end up being like an interesting play because they have this huge upside and people aren't going to want to go all the way up to get them in their lineups. But we'll see if I'm uh, right on that in terms of how people actually build. Yeah. 
Absolutely love that. Um, well, you know, before we wrap up the entire show, a couple more points I want to make sure that we hit. We covered all the matchups, but Cooter, I want an update from the Fantasy Life Guillotine League in terms of where we are as of week one and heading into week two. Yep. So the punishment gods have spoken. I'm sorry, Marcus, you're out. He's going to have a punishment of writing and reading and submitting a poem. So that'll be coming out soon. Make sure you follow at MB Fantasy Life and subscribe to the newsletter. Check out our articles. Um, and then we have a new punishment coming out soon. Do we want to tell them what, what it is for next week for the loser? Oh my God, we might as well, right? Spoiler. We so yeah. next week, um, and maybe this isn't a big deal for everyone, but I am <laughs> nervous about it. The loser with the lowest score is going to have to text their mom this big, you know, hey, big news, um, you know, something big's going on and just ghost her for an hour, no matter what. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah, Chris, you said your mom lives close, right? I, yeah, I told you guys in the pre-show, my mom lives about like 10 minutes away from me. I pulled that type of stunt. She will be at my front door within about 10 minutes, like knocking on my door to find Get out. Get like, the what's camera going ready. Cause that'll be, like, that'll be yeah, great. like it because it could have anything to do with like her grandbabies or something like that. Like she, she's not going to mess around with that type of stuff. So like, it, I, I am nervous for my team and also <laughs> my own well-being. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I am terrified. I'm away on vacation right now. So if I sent a text to my mom and said, Hey, big news, and then just left it at that, it would be detrimental to my health. Um, yeah. Mike, how about you? If you had to send a text like this I'm, out. I'm in the process of some home renovations. So my family is temporarily living with my parents. So that'll, that'll, that'll be it. I'll have to hide from her for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a hard text to send and then just go yeah. run to the basement uh, of your house. Right. Yeah. Oh just hear yelling like, Michael. <laughs> Jeez. well this has been an amazing episode i want to give a big thank you to mike leone thank you so much for joining us today please let the people know where they can find you your work and everything you got going on yeah this was great hanging with all of you all but um you can find my stuff over at establish the run we've got rankings for helping you set your season-long lineups but also daily fantasy sports projections for DraftKings FanDuel. just launched a really cool tool over at the solver for help you simulate actual DraftKings contests and figure out which lineups have the highest ROI, highest cash rate, things like that. So we've been working on that for a while. So I'm really excited for that to finally be out there. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, Mike. It's been yeah, an absolute pleasure. You. And I wish everyone luck this week in their coming matchups. Even you, Chris, I, you know, I hope your Bengals win. <laughs> Just you know, just positive vibes. It's not selfish. It's not because I have Jamar Chase like in half my leagues. It's you know, it's just Same. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast matchups episode. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you're looking for more analysis, help with your start sits for the weekend, head over to fantasylife.com and check out the tools we have to help you answer all your weekly lineup questions with including our start sit tool, trade raider, and waiver wire hub. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to the newsletter where you can read articles not only from Chris and Cooter, but the rest of the incredible team over at Fantasy Life. Good luck this week and see you all in week three.